I heard a story several years ago about a little boy who was just rotten. I mean, this kid was just absolutely rotten. You might know a kid or two like that. And his parents had told him, there is no way you're getting anything for Christmas this year. If you're lucky, you might get a bundle of sticks, you might get a lump of coal, but you're getting nothing for Christmas this year. And he said, well, I'll show you, I'll go to Santa. So he was going to go to the mall, Santa, see Santa, but somehow his parents had gotten there ahead of him and they had warned Santa to be on the lookout for this kid. So when he sat down on Santa's lap and he told him what a good kid he had been, Santa said, well, that's not what I've heard, and that's not what's on my list, and it doesn't look like you're getting anything this year. Well, he was not to be discouraged, and he hatched a plan on how to make sure he was going to get what was on his Christmas list. So that night, he snuck, he snuck downstairs, he went to the nativity scene that was under the tree, and he took the baby Jesus And he took him back up to his room and hid him in a box under his bed. And then he wrote a note, not to his parents, not to Santa Claus. He wrote a note to God. And it said, Dear God, if you ever want to see your son again, here's my Christmas list. Everybody's got a list. Everybody's got their own list, things they want. Maybe even things that that they need. Every list is individualized to the person who owns it, whether it's individualized by your sizes, your collar preferences, your likes, your dislikes. There's no such thing as a generic Christmas list because there's no such thing as, as generic people. And in the same way, there's no such thing as generic hope. There's no such thing as a generic promise. And when we come to the Christmas story, we have to remember it is personal. It's for you. It's for you. It's for you. It's for me. The passage that we're going to look at today is one that has been very personal over the years. It's in your Old Testament. It's in Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 17. If you've got those blue Bibles in front of you, it's page page 572. And I want you to realize this passage was written about 700 years before Jesus was born. This passage existed about 700 years before Jesus was born. It, is, uh, it was written during a very difficult time. It was written during a very, very hard time for Judah. Judah, the, the kingdom of Israel had split. And you now had Israel, also known as Ephraim, to the north. And you had Judah to the south. It was a difficult time for them politically. It was a difficult time for them socially. In in Judah, King Uzziah, everyone's favorite king had been King Uzziah. And King Uzziah had died. And everyone was grieving his death. And now his grandson, Ahaz, was king. And people did not really like Ahaz. He was not a good guy. It was a time of war. And the people were forgetting about God. In fact, you would have to admit that this time in Israel's history and in Judah's history, there was very little faith. You would almost want to call these people atheists at this time. There was very little faith, and as a result, very little hope. A few weeks ago, the elders and Steve and I met with uh, Hannah, and Hannah brought a couple of young men with her from, uh, from Lincoln Christian University, and they had done a study on the town of Kansas. They had done a study about our town, and, and they had come up with some facts about our town based on some, some, uh, met some, <laughs> some of the material that's available out there. They had done some demographic research 
on our town. And, and some of the things they told us was, was very interesting. Some of it was hard to believe. One of the things they told us was absolutely shocking. Just blew me away and I, I still don't know quite what to do with this. But one of the demographic facts that they brought out about our community, Kansas, Illinois, is that 57% of the people in our community, 57% of the people in our community, when asked what religion they are, they answer none. Not, well, I was raised Catholic. Or, well, we used to go to the Baptist church, but we don't anymore. Not, I'm a Christian, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Presbyterian. 57% of people when asked, from Kansas, Illinois, when asked what religion they are, they said none. Now that's disturbing. It's even more disturbing when you realize that the national average, the na across the nation, the national average of people who call themselves nuns is 34%. 34%. And we have 57. Our community has more people with no faith than people with faith. Our community has more people with no faith than the national average. Now that's, that's disturbing to me. It's discouraging to me. I don't know what we're to make of that. But I'll tell you one thing I refuse to believe. I refuse to believe it's hopeless. I refuse to look at that as though it were hopeless because in the midst of a very ungodly time in Israel's history, God gave them the greatest promise they ever had. A promise that we continue to cling to today. And if He gave a promise to them in that difficult time, I have to believe we still have promises today. He still has promises for us and our community today. Isaiah 7 has some very personal promises. For one, this passage lets us know that God knows our fears. God knows your fears. Now Isaiah was more than just a prophet. Isaiah was a patriot. Isaiah may have even been part of the royal family. He may have been a cousin to the king. Uh, he was a man who loved his country, who tried, <laughs> tried to love his king. He wanted to see his nation united. He wanted to see them under God, even in some very, very difficult times. Israel and Judah, as I said, they're divided. They're at war. Israel's coming down from the north. They're going to make war against Judah. The problem is Israel's not strong enough to go to war by themselves, so they've formed an alliance and they're coming down against Judah. Now, King Ahaz, king of Judah, he knows they're coming and he is afraid. And if you look at verse 2 in Isaiah 7, it says, when the house of David, that is Ahaz's house, when the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, that is with, with Israel, and we still know about Syria today, don't we? So he says Syria is coming with Israel. It says the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. His hearts, their hearts were shaken as trees. And so God gives him a message through Isaiah. And he encourages him to be faithful. You know, fear, fear can be a horrible thing. Fear can be an, an absolutely awful thing. And yet, what is fear? In reality, what is fear? We have a wonderful new Dollar General just down the road. I like to call it the DG Boutique. And uh, I go down to the DG Boutique, and I'm always surprised at what I found. I didn't know I could buy that in Kansas. And there it is. I could buy all kinds of things in Kansas. I can go down to the Dollar General. I can get all kinds of stuff. 
Can I go down to the Dollar General and buy a box of fear? <laughs> no, they don't have a box of fear. Can I go to the Country Junction? We go to the Country Junction. Connor's favorite place on earth is still the Country Junction. Connor loves the Country Junction. If you asked him, do you want to go to Disney World or do you want to go to the Junction? He would say the Junction, the Junction, the Junction. He wants to go to the Junction. He doesn't know if they have potato wedges at Disney World. He knows they've got them at the Country Junction. Can I go to the Country Junction and buy a gallon of fear? <laughs> no, I can't fill up my tank with fear. Can I go to the lumber yard and get a pound of fear? Get, get the guys to weigh me out a pound of fear? No. Fear doesn't exist. It's, it's not a thing. It doesn't exist except right here in our minds. And yet, it will paralyze us. It will keep us from doing what we should do. It will paralyze us. And if it doesn't paralyze us, it sends us running in the wrong direction. Running from God. Running from our purpose. Running from our hope. Is it any wonder that the most common command in the Bible is the words, do not be afraid. Fear not. So the king is afraid. Again, verse 2, the hearts of the people and the hearts of Ahaz and the hearts of the people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. His heart shook. And as a result, since the king's heart shook, the hearts of the people shook. Because one thing you learn is people will never rise above the fear of their leaders. People will also never rise above the faith of their leaders. If the king's afraid, the people are going to be afraid too. So Isaiah, God tells Isaiah to go speak to King Ahaz. And I want you to hear what he wants him to say. Verse 4, God says, And say to him, say to Ahaz, Be careful. Be quiet. Do not fear. And do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrand. You hear what he says? He says, be careful. That's, that's good advice. Be careful, yes. He says, but do not fear and do not let your hearts be faint. They look fierce. These two that are coming against you, they look fierce. They look mean. They sound mean. But he says, their fire can't last forever. They are going to be extinguished someday. Be ready for that day. And until then, make sure your faith is in the right place. Make sure your faith is in Me. I think we need to hear that. I think we need to hear that in, in view of a, a world that seems turned against faith. I think we need to, to, to hear that in view of a community where 57% of, the, of our neighbors, 57% of our neighbors say they don't believe in anything. They, they don't have any idea what we're doing here, what, what we're about Look at God's call in verse 9. The second half of verse 9. It made its way this week to the front of your bulletin. It's on the cover of your bulletin this week. The second half of verse 9, God says, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Doesn't that say it all? If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. It seems to me you have a choice. You can be firm in your fear, which is nothing, or you can be firm in your faith. And by being firm in your faith, you can know real strength. But when we're firm in our faith, because when we're firm in our faith, we're confident in who God is and what He has promised us. And what Isaiah shows us is that God promises us His presence. There's an interesting exchange that happens here between King Ahaz and God. God makes an interesting offer to King Ahaz. 
God wants to prove to King Ahaz that he's with them. And he says, Ahaz, you name it. Ask for anything. Ask me for a sign to prove that I am with you. Anything you want, no matter how big it is, no matter how little it is, ask me for a sign to prove that I'm with you, that I'm going to keep my promises, and I will do it, no matter what it is. We read about that there in, in verse 10. It says, The Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask for a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as, she, as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. And I will not put the Lord to the test. <laughs> Ahaz replies, Aha! This is a trap. God's trying to trap me. He's trying to test me. Because you're not supposed to put the Lord your God to a test. You're not supposed to ask God for something like this. You're not supposed to put the Lord your God to a test. It's interesting. Jesus uses those same words, doesn't He? When He's uh, facing temptation from Satan. He says, you, will, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. But the bigger issue here is faith. Ahaz didn't believe that God could keep His Word. Ahaz had no faith in God. He didn't believe that God would keep His Word. He doesn't believe that God can do something new in his life, in the life of his people, in the life of his family, in the life of his nation. He doesn't believe that God has that kind of power. That's a result of fear also. That's something that fear does. It locks us into this mentality that says, I have no escape. Fear does that to us. We can't imagine things getting better. We can't imagine being free from our worries or our anxieties or our depression. You notice the response though. And the response, the response is not from God. The response is from Isaiah in verse 13. Isaiah kind of steps in and talks for himself. Isaiah says in verse 13, it says, and he said, that is, Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men, but you also weary my God? You, you weary my God also. Isaiah is, is saying, you notice what Isaiah says in those words. He doesn't say you are wearying your God. He's saying you are wearying my God. My God. Fear has put up a wall here. And that's what fear does. It, it puts up a wall between us and God. It, it puts up a wall between what we can believe that God is able to do in our lives and, and, and what, we, what God is actually able to do in our lives. Jesus' best friend, the Apostle John, years, centuries later, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, John wrote, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been made perfect in love. It seems to me what John is telling us, what Isaiah is telling us, is we have two choices. We have the choice of fear or love. You can have one, you can have the other, but you can't have both. And so it's God who has to offer the sign. Ahaz is too afraid to ask God for a sign. So God offers a sign and God offers, God offers Himself. Verse 14, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. Those words sound familiar to us, don't they? That's the, that's the Christmas story. That's the virgin birth. That's what we sang about earlier when we sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel. But that's Jesus, isn't it? Well, what's, what's the situation? What's the deal here? We, 
we're told his name is Jesus. Why is he suddenly being called Emmanuel back here in Isaiah? Well, you see, Emmanuel is not so much a name as it is a title. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us in the flesh. God with us in the midst of our mess. God with us down here in the mud. God with you. And that's a promise you can't miss. That's the promise that you can't miss. It's not just about the birth of Jesus. It's about His presence in your life. Right there in the middle of your struggle. Right there in the middle of your pain. God is right there. Sometimes we call Christmas Advent, don't we? We, we say it's the season of Advent. You notice that Advent, it, it, it means arrival. It means He is here. Advent is always in present tense too. It's not just about what happened 2,000 years ago. It's not just about what happened in Bethlehem. It's about what's happening right here, right now. Whatever the challenge, whatever the hurt, whatever it is that makes you feel alone, He is here. You're not alone. God meets our fears with His greatest hope. I want you to jump ahead about 700 years and a couple hundred pages if you jump ahead to Matthew chapter 1, again, if you're using those blue Bibles, it's page 807, Matthew chapter 1. Because we may not be familiar with Isaiah, and we may not know much about King Ahaz. We may have never heard the name King Ahaz before, but, but we, we're more familiar here in Matthew chapter 1. We know about these people. We know their names, but I wonder if we know their hearts. I wonder if we know their hurts. I wonder if we know how they love and, and how they feel betrayed. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, Matthew simply writes, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Okay, we know what this story is about. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Do you hear that? Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Don't fall into the trap of your ancestor, King Ahaz. Don't let the fear paralyze you. Don't let it send you running away. Do not fear. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Then he goes on, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. I want you to notice though, the first thing the angel addresses is not the pregnancy. The first thing the angel addresses is not, hey, your, your fiancé is pregnant and you're not the father. The first thing the angel addresses is fear. Joseph's fear. Do not fear. He goes on, he says, she will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus for he will save his people, your people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. There they are, the words from Isaiah. That's the promise that we've been reading. But I want you to hear them right there. Hear them for Joseph. Hear them for, 
for Joseph. What is God telling him? He's saying, Joseph, I know you're afraid. I know this wasn't the plan that that you had for your life. This isn't how you had planned on raising a family. But this is Emmanuel. This is God with us. God with us just as I am with you, Joseph. You see, that's the message of Christmas for each one of us. That message is not limited to Joseph. It's not limited to to Mary. It's not limited to the shepherds or the, the wise men. It's God's message to you and me. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us in the flesh. God with us here and now. God with us in the midst of our mess. Whatever turmoil there is in your life, no matter how upside down you feel right now, God has come near. God has come to you. He is Emmanuel. He is here. Think about, think about that 57% out here, just outside of our walls. I think about that 57% who don't believe anything. And I wonder about their fears. Because they, they must have fears, right? I mean, even if you take away the fear of death, even if you take away the fear of the unknown, the fear of what comes next, There are those fears that we all face. Fears of of loneliness. Fears of sickness. Fears of pain. Fears of loss. And I am sure that they have fears. But what they don't have is they don't have hope. Not the hope that God promises anyway, anyway. Not the hope of Emmanuel. Not the promise that says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That's the promise they're missing. And here's what I believe. If God can reach back 700 years before the birth of His Son. And if He can promise to take the fear out of the heart of a very, very frightened king, if He can do that, then He can reach into your life. He can reach into my life. He can reach into the lives of our unbelieving neighbors. And He can meet them at the source of their fears. And He can meet our fears with His greatest hope. That's a message that your neighbors need to hear. That's a message that, that we need also. Whatever it is that has you afraid, whatever it is that keeps your faith from being firm, God says, let me give you a sign. Let me show you how close I really am. And He stands by ready to love, ready to care, ready to forgive. We sang those words earlier. It's a beautiful song. O oh, oh come, O oh come, Emmanuel. But it's not just a song It is a cry of a heart. It is a cry of a heart that says, God, I need You with me now. Come and meet me in my fears. Let's stand together and pray. Father, we know fear. And we have to admit, there is a lot that frightens us. There's times we lie awake at night from our fears. There's times we feel paralyzed and there's other times that we would have to admit to you that our fears cause us to run away even even at times to run from you and yet every fear that can come against us is met with your promise to be Emmanuel to be God with us when our fears hold us down and hold us back remind us that you stand beside us not just as Emmanuel in in this season at this holiday but but in every season of life you never leave us I pray for these here that they know that promise. We pray together for those out in our community, for that 57% and and for others who 
who don't know You or who don't know Your hope. I pray that the way we stand with them in their fears would show them the truth of Your promise and the hope You have for them through Jesus Christ. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.